0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday of the Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Nguyen. We have another great show for you today, but before that, please take a moment hit the bell and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter at the slscreamers underscore pod. Guys, we're going to hop right into the show here. News and notes. I, I don't know if it gets more massive than what we got going on in the world right now. Um, obviously we know everything going on with Ukraine and Russia and potentially massive implications worldwide, but we're here from a football perspective. So mm-hmm. FIFA and UEFA banned all Russian teams until further notice and includes the Russian national team, men's and women's, any, uh, Russian club teams as well. So originally Russia was supposed to play under a new name flag and neutral sites, but FIFA got enough of backlash, I guess we could say, and recorrected their actions. So now, the men's World Cup qualifiers are not being played for Russia. Mm-hmm. The women's team is not in the Euros currently. I guess they're just kind of banned or they're going to try to figure something else out. And Sparta Moscow is also out of the Europa League, meaning Red Bull uh, Lipsing is in the quarterfinals. That's <laughs> it right? Close no, enough?
1: Not even close. No, not only really right. over 20. It's,
0: it's, it's okay. Just move on. Good thing you don't cover Germany. <laughs> uh, boys, thoughts on this. Um, there's also other things. UEFA ended their partnership with Gazprom – a uh, Russian state-owned energy giant, supposedly a $40 million a year sponsorship, which is, as Vito said in pre-podcast, hard to, hard to imagine UEFA turning down any type of money like that. Yeah, that's, that's big money for them. They turned down. It is.
2: Um, but to your point, from a footballing perspective, I absolutely think it was the correct thing to do. The only other times I was researching this, when this has ever happened, that FIFA has stepped up and I guess you could say has done the right thing was when Germany and Japan were not readmitted to FIFA by the time for the 1950 World Cup after World War II. (laughs) South Africa was barred for two decades during apartheid, 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 and then Yugoslavia removed from the 1992 World Cup or European Championships because of the war that was happening over there. So it obviously has to be extreme circumstances for them to do something. 100% this qualifies as an extreme circumstance. Um, And I will say this is one of the few times I will applaud FIFA for doing the right thing here
1: yeah um uh, first and foremost you know delta prayers to everyone in the ukraine you know safety and safety Safety and well-being Uh, obviously it's a a tough point but to your point steve um i don't want to get into the politics of it i know we're all you know we're thinking about it all day every day and hoping for the best but from a footballing standpoint yes it's it's absolutely, absolutely the right thing to do um I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't worried for a couple of days there when FIFA was just coming out. And I believe we yeah. were saying that they would just move the games out of Russia and, and whatnot. And it just seemed like yeah. an incredibly, incredibly underreaction to the situation and the implication mm-hmm. of what this, the country is is doing currently. So yeah. I am glad to see, to definitely see that happen. Um, in terms, I mean, from a football perspective, I guess, fortunately for a co- for the competition's sake, there's only one Russian team that, that's in there. That's getting taken out. So the, the Champions League is going to remain unchanged, and Leipzig will go through uh, uh, obviously as well. But um you could have debatably said they would have went through anyway. Let's be real here. Yeah,
0: but, but, <laughs> yeah. But my my. am are going Playing Russia around this time. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're that's every point. Let's um, talk about the weather, by the way not not the war. <laughs> I,
1: I'm, I'm thinking best case scenario here, right? Like I, I know Ukraine and Russia are meeting, meeting and discussing like terms of ceasefires and whatnot. Let's say let's say that by the time the year, by the time, like, six months from now, five months from now, whatever it is, that this is hopefully in our rearview mirror, does FIFA rescind that and go back to allowing Russia in the Qatar World Cup?
0: I think they go to a round robin with, um, what is yeah. it, Poland, Czech, and yeah, for the 13th. Sweden. 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 Sweden.
2: I, I don't At think that so. Point, you I, have I, to have I, everything qualified before then. Yeah. You can't wait too much longer. Right. Yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. think they'll have the opportunity to push those
1: games out. What's done What's is done, done right? Yeah, like you,
2: That's it. honest. At the end of the day, it's not obviously the player's fault or the coach's fault, yeah. but they fucked up as a country, and unfortunately, you have to pay the price for that. So, I mean, it is what it is. At the end of the day, maybe next time they won't be idiots and go bomb the country next door to them.
0: So, are you guys shocked by them actually doing it? Because I'm not. I'm not experts at who's FIFA, the commissioners, and all all the high up, higher ups, but at least from images that I've seen throughout Twitter and just online um, different sources, it looks like Putin's kind of boys with the guys at the top over there. So does it kind of shock you that they, they would come down as harshly as they have?
2: Uh, I mean, no. Yeah. Like he's definitely been photographed and pictured with like um, I forget his name, but the head of FIFA, the head of the euros in the past. Like I remember seeing that, especially at the Euro, uh, the euros when they handed the trophies, cause it was in Russia. Right. And it World was Cup him, was, yeah. World Cup, and it was him giving out the the trophies to the French national team. So obviously he's going to play a part in those types of things. But I think from their perspective, isolating one country versus the entire European, I guess, continent is. I I guess this is going to be sound fucked up, but from a monetary perspective, it's the better move because is Russia at the end of the day ever going to? provide that level of competition that those other teams are and where are they going to put all their eggs at the end of the day with Putin or with the other teams that want to be in there so yeah. I mean I think they didn't really have a choice in the matter to be honest not to say that there should have been a choice but you know that's how if I were them and how I was thinking about how they looked at stuff in the past monetarily that's what I would assume it was going through their head
1: yeah and I, I would agree to that and even further, just touching upon what you said about them being removed from from uh, qualifying now, how does how do you think FIFA has to look at that qualifying group with only three teams instead of four now? Because it's, it's not a one off against teams anymore. And best of best, you know, round robin. It's it's three teams. Each
0: each team have to play two games against the other ones and play like a miniature table almost. That or bring the next the next best team in that missed out.
2: Yeah, I would be probably That's say true. the next, the next yeah. best team.
0: That's
1: what I would say.
2: Whatever, whatever, whoever would have won on point. Why don't we take that group of
0: death thing? and move one of them
1: over there? Yeah, well, maybe this, this is all a Portugal ploy. and like. I was gonna
2: say this is all a ploy to get Portugal in.
0: Yeah, 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 Another book came into World Cup, man. Yeah,
1: what's been what's been really great though is uh, the solidarity across the footballing world. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Portuguese league this weekend. Um, Benfica has a Ukrainian national and he came off the bench and um, they subbed out the captain and the captain walked over to him and gave him the armband. He was putting on him and, and he was looking around like, what are you doing right now? Cause he's, he's not the second choice. And they're like, no, no, you're taking this right now. And he came on the field to the most enormous round of applause and screams that I've ever heard in my entire life. Like it was, yeah.
2: he, he was visibly moved also. Yeah. And it was, I honestly, I was visibly moved like watching. Yeah, that video. I was like, like you can, you can see the look yeah. trembling, and I was like, Jesus. And for every player, him, the players in the Premier League, the players all around in every league, the, the ovations and the support and applause was it was tremendous. have yep. To
1: to watch. You saw what uh Everton match with Alexander Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I mean, we're not, it's not, it's obviously worst case scenario at the moment, basically, but um, it's good to see that. When it does hit the fan, you can count on football to still unite the world.
2: Yeah, I'm curious too. you know, this is obviously a little bit of a side question, but obviously the World Cup and missing the World Cup has a big effect. But comparatively speaking, do you think, and this is more of a hypothetical, if FIFA did what they did, obviously they banned Russia from the World Cup, but let's say the NHL or someone like that did something along those lines. And maybe they had players put out a statement or from Russia or they did something along those lines what do you think would have a bigger impact to like that population you think it'd be the nhl where there's a lot of russian players or just getting rid of the russian team from the world cup itself the russian I, would, teams?
0: I would just say fifa from a global perspective would have a much bigger impact i mean obviously nhl i mean a lot of the guys from russia come over here and play it's better money for them mm-hmm. um i guess in terms of like icons for their country maybe it could be the nhl because i know it's really really big over there mm-hmm. um but as a global perspective, I think FIFA has the most eyes and enough pressure that they could potentially put onto a situation. Granted, do I think they're saving the world right now? Probably not. No, I don't, I don't think Putin having the Russian team banned is going to change his mind on what he's doing. But Yeah, I, I would have to, say, to pick the two.
1: Yeah, I, I would say FIFA, too. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to stop NHL teams from feeling Russian, Russian players. Um, I know mm-hmm. a lot of Russians are speaking out against against the atrocities going on right now, too. It's not a, it's not a Russian citizen issue. It's a Russian government issue right now. Mm-hmm. Um and FIFA is an intercontinental tournament. They play Champions League. They play Europa League. They play UEFA Conference League. They play the World Cup. That has much more of an impact than the, the hockey World Cup. The Olympics yeah. are done, so that's over. There's, there's really nothing hockey-related going on. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that, Steve, from a global perspective, yeah, obviously the majority of superstar athletes in Russia, if they're not fighting bears, wrestling bears, are playing hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that that would obviously have an impact, but I think if you want to make as much of a statement as possible, banning it from FIFA. Granted, with that being said, I think you could ban them from curling, and they'd be just the, amount, the same amount of pissed off. Um, that's the way that I, <laughs> that's I Russia that operates. That government would operate. <laughs> I mean, they got they got caught doping. Yeah, fixing the Olympics essentially. Multiple and then times. all they had to do was call themselves the Russian Olympic Committee, and they were allowed to compete this year. What what yeah. the hell is that? I mean, you can't – this is the yeah. first time Russia's ever been truly penalized for some of this shit, you know?
2: It kind of reminds me of, like, a – this is going to sound weird, but, like, a child or, like, a dog that, like, hasn't been properly punished because, like, it pissed in a corner. And you just oh, keep going no like pissing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I think we're coming to that point where you just got to rub their nose in it
1: at this point. Be like, no, no, Russia, no Putin, stop yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, but I, I mean, you're Mike. You're right. Like, we can talk about the impact of that this has on football, and obviously, it's a massive impact. Russia has a massive impact on football right now, but football has no impact on Russia. At the end of the day, like, Wait, but no. it's, sport, sport is always, always going to take the back, 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 farthest back seat to a conflict like this. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to change. They can do nothing to, to stem the bloodshed or anything like that. So it's almost like inconsequential to even think about this having an effect on their country when it's really yeah. just the opposite way.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Last thing I want to touch upon, though, uh, Roman Abranovich hands over control of Chelsea to the board trustees. Um, thoughts about a potential summer sale? Is he going to get forced into something like that? I think
2: the way he worded the the legal document that he put out there in the statement it seems like he'll still have ownership but yes, he'll he really, like ownership yeah yep. and he he'll, he'll relinquish more or less like the day-to-day or kind of like those types of duties to kind of what it seems like put himself and I'm not a lawyer but put himself away from like that asset so that it can't be frozen let's say by like the British government or something along those lines Um from his perspective it was probably a smart thing to do um, given the fact that it's rumors are he's negotiating a peace deal <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think he'll be forced to sell, but I think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him to sell.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I actually think it's likely that not likely, but I think the chances of him selling are higher than the people are giving it credit for. There was also, there's already rumors of him, potentially signing the club because he was denied his visa. And now his name's being thrown out in the house of parliament uh, in the UK as specifically worded as, I mean, don't, this isn't verbatim. So don't quote me on this, but essentially they read out all the names, 36 names of the Russian oligarchs that have involvement in the UK and Roman Abramovich was the first name on the list. And it was specifically cited that why should we allow this man to own a football club in our country? I think the move he made was smart from his perspective, because if he wants to do everything he can to keep control of his club, he has to act in good faith. And that is the first step by relinquishing any and all ties to the club outside of pure ownership and letting it be run by, by UK citizens and and the board of trustees. So that's smart. What was really interesting was Abramovich's daughter, actually, I don't know if you saw this tweeted anti-message. Yeah. Yeah. um, Basically saying like the biggest, and mo- it says the biggest and most successful lie of the Kremlin's propaganda is that most Russians stand with Putin. I'm curious whether or not that includes Abramovich in, in that, which obviously would be huge on the implications, implications of him potentially selling the club. Yeah. But ultimately, this is completely out of his hands. The government uh, can, can make him sell. They can force a sale of that club and he can't do anything about it period.
2: I'd be curious though, because like, assuming let's say hypothetically, he's forced to sell. Right. Right. Then how do you not look at a Newcastle or a Manchester city or any of these other clubs that might have shady owners hypothetically. Right. And then be like, okay, given what they might've done in their countries, why are we allowing them to have put their money into our teams? And why are we allowing them to do this? And it creates a domino effect. Yeah. Right. So not to say like, I wouldn't personally love it, like obviously, but like you know have a new owner come in from that perspective but i think it starts a conversation that's much bigger than just roman abramovich i'll say that
0: yeah yeah it gets a lot more complicated than after that
1: yeah that was actually something that came up after the sale of newcastle they they introduced new legislations in the buying and selling of the football clubs mm-hmm. to pretty much dictate that they couldn't be state state run not owned, state run um but yeah i
0: wild times every day is a new
1: page in the history books jeez
0: louise and of course uh russia doesn't disagree with all the sanctions by the way just heads up um nothing nothing's happening in russia it's all no no nothing
2: they're having fun in the sun even (laughs) china's
1: sitting around going damn this propaganda
2: (laughs) when you when
0: you know china is saying that you know you fucked up (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) Moving on, maybe some uh, brighter news for us. Let's head over to the Stars and Stripes section where we check out all the United States men's national team news, players across the board. And first off, congrats to Jesse Marsh on landing the Leeds manager position. He only lasted a few months at a club that I cannot pronounce, so I will not try anymore on this podcast. (laughs) But what's your guys' take on it? Obviously, it's a great move for him, possibly a great move for the club. Interesting for Leeds, though.
2: I am bittersweet about it because i really wanted him i knew it wasn't going to happen but god i just part of me just wanted him to manage the united states men's national team so goddamn badly but we're gonna to have to wait for that moment in time um i think he's honestly the, one of the best managers Leeds could have recruited not just saying that biasly as a u.s fan but the way he likes to play the attacking style of football um obviously those Leeds players have been drilled into for the past couple of years with a specific type of philosophy and I think given his background in the Austrian and German leagues, that's how red bulls have historically liked to play in both of those leagues. So I think he's a great manager to help pull them out. Um, You could probably expect them to be doing a decent amount of the same type of tactics and game plans. I think for some of those bigger teams, he'll probably be more pragmatic and not just go all out and (laughs) keep getting hit on the sucker punch counter, but we'll see what happens with Jesse.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, I, I definitely really love the appointment. Um, it's a really a big chance for him to prove himself in a league where the competition is even higher than Germany. I think he got kind of got the short end of the stick when he went over to Leipzig, given the amount yep. of quality departures yep. that had left that team, um, and he didn't really get a, a ton of time. He got 21 games. That's was that's, it even that many? I just more than about. half their season. You know what I mean? Um, well, domestic domestic games. Keep in mind. Um, so obviously it wasn't a, a, the six, most successful stint in the world, but he didn't really have. A great foundation to start with, a given the given departure. So, I mean, he's got just as much of a monumental task to do with this mm-hmm. team right now, who couldn't buy a win at this point
0: in time. So, the real question of all this if he keeps one clean sheet, regardless of relegation, <laughs> does he keep his job? <laughs> Honestly, you'd have to say yes. <laughs>
2: I mean, they they couldn't keep a clean sheet if they, they fucking tried right now. Um I mean, I think if they stay up, they got a lot of work to do. Again, we brought this up defensively. I think that's their biggest flaw and their biggest Achilles heel. It's probably due to the way they also played. But a little while ago we got hammered on Twitter for saying, Oh, it's gonna bring it up. <laughs> like because of the Man City and the Man U game. But I mean, in the past month, Jesus fucking Christ. Like it is not looking good. So I think that's by far their biggest area of improvement. If Jesse Marsh can keep a single fucking clean sheet, give him the job. Let, let him roll with it. I mean, I
1: like, it. I like Ber- it. Burnley are one win or two draws away from putting leads into the relegation zone. And I say that because Burnley have two games in hand.
0: Mm. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get a goal differential later. But is, yeah, you know, it's the bottom right now. Very, very interesting. Um, moving on, Segino Desk has strung together a few good performances, gotten some praise from their manager, Xavi, and doing it at left back, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely last game. I don't know if it was a game before that as well, but you know, playing a little, little bit out of his natural position, so it's good for him. Uh, Ethan Horvath, two straight clean sheets for Nottingham Forest. Uh, trying to keep the starting job right now. The starter uh, got a red card, so I think he's out for one more game at least, and he has one more chance to keep that. Um, fun fact, Turner and Stefan, at least – on paper, both injured. Um, we have qualifiers come up in a couple weeks, so something to look forward to. And then Jordan P. Folk, another assist in 90 minutes played, two key passes, and fouled three times, which was the most in a 3-1 win for young boys. So heading over to the Premier League. First up, we'll get right to it. Mike, close your ears. Don't listen to this one. Burnley, the trap game of the week against Spurs. 1-0 I, victory. For what it's
2: worth, I agreed with you about this, and I said this was No, calling. you did. You definitely did. <laughs> If you're a true Spurs fan, you know that they'd shit the bet after
1: that. So, let's be real. <laughs> you don't got to be a true Spurs fan to know you're going to shit the bet. <laughs> 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 I hate the break to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big win for Burnley, though. Another three points. They are on a pretty pretty good hot streak right now. And uh, climbing up that table just a little bit. Watford won. Crystal Palace, four. Palace seemed like they were back until later in the week. Um, Liverpool, 6-0 over Leeds. That was all on Wednesday. Thursday. Crushing, crushing defeat for Wolves 2 1 loss to Arsenal. Uh, I want to say what the 80 79th and like 84th or something like that. It was it was like later than that, I think way later. Yeah, it was, it was close to like later. The 90th yeah. minute. The last it was later. Okay. This I think 84th minute and 89th or something. It yeah, was that, was a, that. that was a big
2: blow to their European hopes. I thought for that. sure they were in
0: for another 1 0 result. I, I, if Dude, they were well, up listen, one If up, you like, told me to bet it, uh, I would have, like, 100%. But like,
1: fair, I mean, truthfully, fair play to Arsenal. I mean, watching that game, Arsenal was in the commanding seat for 75% of it, at least. I, I mean, Wolves had an opening 15 minutes of sustained pressure, maybe, like, maybe 10 minutes. But outside of that, Arsenal completely dictated the temporal play. I, I think, while it's unfortunate that last goal is not going to be credited to Lacazette, it's going to go down as an own goal, and on the stat sheet it's going to look poorly – I think
0: Arsenal deserved all three points. Yeah, I'd I, I, hard to disagree with that. Honestly, um, it's, it's just you know it's was crushing. It. Um, I like Wolves, obviously, and then being a Chelsea supporter, I hate Arsenal. Um, what? One question for you: Did you actually write "Ouchtown Population
1: Wolves" in the Google Doc? Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: That's no, how it not what I felt I like. Though. <laughs> Um yeah, not any of the weird comments in there, that is definitely my hand, uh, my hand. So, but yeah, no, I, crushing crushing rule, especially with the European hopes like Mike mentioned, and uh great for Arsenal, though. They're they're really gunning for that top four. Mm-hmm. Um on Friday, Southampton 2-0 uh win over Norwich. Southampton remaining a top half team right now. We all probably thought after Danny Yangs left that they were destined to possibly even go down.
2: Yeah, uh James Ward Prowess in particular. Um we sing his praises a lot, but that dude, single handedly. I think when he was injured or out with the red card a little while earlier in the season, we were saying, like, their only chance of them staying out of that relegation zone was through him, and that guy has delivered since yeah. that point in time, just absolutely delivered. A few other players, too, stepping up, like Broha, uh, Livermento, Shea Adams, Adams. Adams. They're they're playing pretty well as a team right now, and they deserve to be in the nice spot. Yeah, I, I agree.
0: Moving on, we had uh, Saturday games, Leeds nil, Spurs four. Great morning for Michael over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brentford nil, Newcastle two. Newcastle, uh, I heard of the title favorites for 2023. I don't know if you guys were aware.
2: Mm, maybe. Before we pass that, there's one piece of news that you did miss in yes, that Spurs game. All right? And this is worth calling out. The new duo combination leader in Premier League history, goals I and bet. assists combined, Harry Kane and the Prince, young son. Uh, Love it. Love to see another trophy or another banner we can hang up.
1: Sorry. Definitely not trophy, but banner, yes. <laughs> oh, you missed the most important one of all, Mike. What's Christian ericsson makes his return in the Brentford game.
2: Well, we didn't get to that yet.
0: I I was trying to oh, I cut off. Of you. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure that's where you were going when you said that when he said that. <laughs> that I did was not the next think thing. you were going back. <laughs> that was the next thing. <laughs>
0: The spoiler alert: Christian Erickson makes his long-awaited return after a cardiac arrest on the during the Euros, actually. Um, yeah. Was it nine months ago? I think now. Eight to nine Eight months. months. Yeah, something Eight. like that. How long was it? Eight or nine months, like around Eight. that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they said eighteen for seconds. like, I don't think it was that far. Mm-mm. Um, so great to see him back on the field. Maybe he can help them push to avoid relegation. That'd be awesome to kind of watch, especially be the great like the last day of the season. that He just nets something like a free kick or something from like twenty-five yards out, and you're like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps! I got goosebumps already. Thinking—is <laughs> it that, or are you being shirtless right now for everyone that can't see? Uh, it's probably that. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Palace won. Burnley won. Palace not back just yet, but you know they're picking up points when they had a little bit of a rough patch going on. Uh, big one here. I mistyped that actually, but Manu nil. Watford nil. Manu blows a massive chance to get all three points for a top four chance or a top four mm-hmm. race. Um, literally could not hit the net if it, if they tried, and these weren't opportunities that were from twenty five out where Waffer was playing stellar defense and they couldn't break them down. Like they broke them down. Yeah, they they just bad. couldn't
2: finish. They really couldn't. Um, Ronaldo might have had a hat trick or should have had a hat trick. They're gonna they they will fall out of the top four by the end of this season. Arsenal will replace them in that spot.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, they're purely on games played at
0: this point. Yeah, borrowed time. <laughs> Perfect time. Uh Brighton Nil, Aston Villa two. I'm not gonna make that. I'm not gonna read that comment that I wrote there. <laughs> um Everton, here here's some great controversy here. Everton nil, Man City one Mike, just take it away. You had our Twitter feed going for a solid hour and a half.
2: Yeah. So let's let's walk through this, shall we? As if Manchester fucking city needed any more help on planet Earth. Apparently the Premier League and the VAR officials. Decided that, I think it was around like the, what, 80th minute, something along those lines, relatively late in the game. Give or take, yeah. Relatively late in the game. A through ball gets played. Richarlison, questionably on offside. We can start there. Um, But then as the handball comes back through, um, it quite clearly hits Rawdry's arm in the bicep below the shoulder. And according to the Premier League's rules, that is a fucking handball. And they looked at it for what seemed to be five minutes and they still couldn't make a decision. Um, it's mind boggling that they did not call that a handball. And for them to say the offside, which they really gave a shitty angle on to kind of prove like, no, eh, he's offside. And they gave it for like a split 2nd on like NBCSN. Like, eh, here it is. And it, I felt like Everton got robbed, especially for them to get a really big point in a relegation race for city to give up points in a massive title race that they have with Liverpool right now. It felt like they were giving them the title, to be honest.
0: Where, so where are the cameras for VAR? Like, please, like, if you go to the NFL is when like, for instance, they had big issues with goal line technology. So they put like cameras directly on the goal line. Now I understand offside is a much different rule. You have an entire half of a field you have to cover, mm-hmm. but like, the fact that one of the cameras is on, like, a I don't know what do you want to say, like, a close to like a 30 to 45 degree angle to the side of where it should be when it should be dead even to help, to make the most accurate judgment. Like, there has to be a better angle or shot that we need to see. Like, I, I don't know. I just
2: don't understand how how difficult it could be for like maybe the FA to put in like some type of rule that says, hey, the technology is there where you have to have certain cameras across, let's say, like the
0: stadium every five, 10 yards, every, every
2: five like to 10 yards of like the pitch, right? So that way we can just literally get the perfect fucking view of it instead of going through these 35 acute angles looking at these ridiculous images and kind of playing is he off or is he on game? So
0: yeah, I feel like the line situation, the blue and the red, like they never add up to where the guy actually is. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'd be placing those lines in a completely different spot than the officials do sometimes.
2: Additionally it should also go benefit to the attacker, right? It should always be the attacker's benefit in that scenario. And then it has to be clear and obvious what was clear and obvious about that. So I I have a fucking huge bone to pick with. It's not like VAR hasn't been implemented properly in other leagues. It's just the Premier league. It has the best games and the best players in my opinion, and by far the worst officiating. And it's unbelievably frustrating.
1: Look, I don't think the cameras are the issue. I, even with the cameras, I'm not confident enough in the officials to make the right decision from necessary times. So I I'm think possible. To no, I, I hear you, but I think this bypasses. I don't think it's a VAR issue. I think it's a referee issue. That's where the, the, the fall lies. I mean, the fact of the matter is we can't hear the discussions between the VAR official and the on-sealed referee. The on-field referee doesn't even see anything. The first time he gets to make a decision, and when he gets to a monitor for 15 seconds, and then he makes a decision. Yeah. Meanwhile, the guy in the booth takes a look at it for five minutes. So you have a guy on field dictating the tempo of the game and making in-time, in-game, in-time, um, real, yeah. real-time real decisions completely against what someone in the booth might think. Because some of the – I mean, think about it like from a foul position or a red card position. Like, that's not – that's down to the referee's subjective. I know it's not supposed to be, but it is. So it, it, it doesn't really make sense. Like, they should just be – they should just go in that in that booth and go, look, you might think differently if you look at it. Just check it out. But, no, they try to make decisions in the booth. How many times have they gone to VAR and they haven't overturned a decision?
2: Uh, it's, it's automatic. Every time
1: automatic. they go. The moment they're... it goes to VAR, gone. Yeah, gone. It's automatic.
0: Yeah, if, they're, if the ref actually goes to sideline, I mean, yeah, 100%. Like, it's – it's getting changed
1: because now he's under pressure to make a decision because a guy with replays is making the determination mm-hmm. where where why is there no time limit it's just whole it's whole fucking game.
0: anything else mike no they got robbed everton
2: personally got robbed city yeah. got very lucky it should be a much closer title race than it is
0: it's it's still not far away either way but yes agreed Um, West Ham won Wolves nil. Tough, tough week for Wolves, losing dropping points to two European uh competitors right now. So I think they're sitting in eighth place now. Yep, yeah, yeah, big blow. And there was what's up? There was the one-off scoreline. We know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) just wrong team. Big win for Newcastle, uh, West Ham though. They've been dropping, they've been very poor, uh, consistency-wise lately, too. Um, biggest match of the weekend, carabao Cup final, Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. Don't know how that freaking scoreline lasted that long. Liverpool win 11 10 on penalties. Kepa brought on as a penalty specialist, didn't save one and missed a deciding penalty. Oh, and the he, irony. he had an amazing game. <laughs> not <laughs> up? Did... The irony. Yes, yes the absolute absolutely. irony. Not only did he
1: not save one when Virgil Van Dijk took step up to take his, he literally stood in the side of the net knowing he was going to shoot there. And Virgil Van Dijk just kicked it past him.
2: He what stared like, at him too. Yeah, yeah he, he fucking stared him down.
1: Look, like, nothing against yeah. Kepa. As a Chelsea supporter, still the correct decision. He's a penalty specialist. He's not going to get it right every single time. I mean, you can look at the other side and say, "Well, Liver uh, Kelleher, Liverpool's keeper didn't save one either." So no. it's it's. They, I mean, they were good. They were well taken penalties. It, it is what it is. It was a good game. I,
2: on a side note, that keeper for Liverpool, that dude's an absolute stud. The Irish, the Irish guy, Kelleher. Kelleher? Yeah, he's he's unbelievable.
1: Uh, it, it, if anything, I think by the way, what a fantastic game. Just absolutely just That's one of the best. The end, open play, chances, glory. Yes. But if that if that game showed you anything, I think it showed you why neither of these teams, as quote unquote, the highest level of competitors to City are near their level at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They're just not there. Like pound for pound, City are the better team. I mean, Chelsea can't finish. And you saw what Liverpool's problems were during that game. I mean, so what, what does Salah miss chances like that? Yeah. I mean, silly fouls. Van Dijk got called for a pullback in the box and disallowed a goal for saying an offside position. I mean.
0: I mean, listen, there was some controversy there, right? You got the Keita uh, kicked to the groin with Chalba. Again, no necessarily intent, but red card worthy, in my opinion, I'm a little biased, but like when a boots up that high and it makes that much kind of like, what's the difference between him? Making I, I would say guy? a
2: yellow card in that scenario. I don't um, too. It's a 50, 50 ball.
0: Yeah. Like that's, that's the only thing I think that saved him. Cause he, he really wasn't late in that sense. Like they both made contact at the same time. Yeah. And both of them missed the ball. Keep in mind. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But like yeah. where his contact was, like when you're studs up with your boot and you hit even just like the calf area, a lot of times you get red guards.
1: Yeah, apparently Chalobah had to get stitches after that too.
0: Really? Yeah, I,
1: I mean, if you're looking at that game as a whole, they didn't really give out. No, it, of, I thought it was actually relatively refer- pretty good. Part. Like it was a
0: physical game. Like I didn't have problems with majority of the refereeing there. But I mean, yeah, you had you had you had questionable calls. You had the potential. Uh, cape to red card was Van Dyke offside. Actually, that goal stood. Um, of Lukaku, Lukaku's, which
1: I thought was on I, I was completely unbiased, I thought he was on sides. I he, didn't he understand was. why. He, he was onside. Yeah, they were like saying basically he like his arm was out, and it's like that's not a scoreable, or his armpit, or I, I don't know. I guess that's technically his shoulder, but it was weird. It was a game of. I think what did the announcer say during the match? He goes, "If you were to name this game, he goes, and
0: there's the flag." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was for as many missed chances and that there were, and some controversy. It was an absolutely like, peach of a game to watch, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's head over to next week, though. We got some massive games on the upcoming schedule. First off, let's just kick it off with Burnley. Um, Burnley versus Leicester. It's happening tomorrow, I guess, as this podcast actually probably comes out is today. Uh, Burnley eight points out of fifteen. Leicester two out of their last fifteen. Leicester sit. Uh, with 23 games played and 27 points, Burnley 24 games played and 22 points. A win takes Burnley all the way up to 15th, they two, and they have two games this week. Just want to say, for you guys, give me so much crap the other week or two weeks ago for saying Burnley had zero chance of getting out of relegations going. Fuck you.
1: I still think they're gonna do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sean, Dutch, come on, like you're you man's like literally your your main His nipples down. are hard right, yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: I mean, there's I believe I, there's every possibility Burnley could do this because Leicester are a sinking fucking ship right now. Um, Leicester in their past couple of five games lost, draw, loss, draw, loss. So maybe history dictates draw in this scenario, which would kind of suit both teams, I think, from a points perspective and the way they're both playing. Um, but Burnley, like we've been saying, they're playing well. Since they've got about Veghorst, that guy's come in. He's made a difference. Cornet has made a difference. Um, they look like a team that knows where they are and knows what they are, and they know exactly the position they have to get to. And that's the most dangerous thing about them is they've done this so many times, and they will probably outmuscle the other teams to get to there.
1: So, If they do stay out, Vaghorst is going to save them. He's looked so good the last couple of weeks. I think he's a large reason that they're even – They've even pulled seven of nine points from the last three matches. He's looked incredibly good.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, he's literally a burn. I mean, come on, that guy's a Burnley player through and through.
2: Let's
1: be real.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's about yeah. It's very accurate, actually. It's extremely accurate.
1: Um, with with that being said, we talked about the uh, the Leeds matches. Um, we talked about not being confident, not only in the teams down low. But at the teams above the relegation zone, not being bad enough to drop enough points for the teams in the relegation zone to catch them. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Leeds falling down? Burnley wins one match after two in hand, and they send Leeds to the relegation zone. I don't think it'll be Leeds. I think it'll be
2: Brentford. Oof. Honestly, I, I, I would. I love Erickson, but I. I think Leeds will get. And your in your favorite word, Vito, the manager sack
0: bump. The sack right? bump. <laughs> <laughs> No uh, I think uh, the good old sack tap. <laughs> what was it? I think that was on like the first episode of the podcast. It was very early.
2: On. Um, but I, I do I do think that Jesse Marshall come in and instill new philosophy. And I think they will get some type of results out of him to to keep the team afloat. I think Brentford right now, kind of just looking at form, looking at the way they played the games. Granted, they just got Erickson back, but 27 games played. They're at 24 points. Leeds have a game in hand. Everton have two games in hand. Burnley have two games in hand. I don't know if Brentford's going to have the ammunition to keep themselves up at the end of the day.
0: So, well, I mean, getting into it Saturday, Leicester, picking on them, kind of they have two games to make this week. They have Burnley on Tuesday. Then on Saturday, they host Leeds. Leeds only has one point at the last 15. Obviously, as Mike mentioned, the new manager change, but Mm -hmm. their last four games, the last four losses, I should say, I think they'll actually last four as well um, 17 to two on goals. Granite, Man U, Liverpool, Spurs, but then you even throw Everton in there who whipped them three nil. Um, those kind of scorelines, you're. I mean, if you get into a spot where it's goal differential to stay up or go down, I mean, see they're, later.
2: They're past that point already. Like they have to outrightly win on points because there's no way they're covering. They're
1: at negative thirty-one. The only team more the worst goal differentials Norwich at negative forty. Otherwise, the next closest is negative twenty-two, and then after that, it's like negative seventeen. There's, there's no, they're never going to make enough goal differential. It's just not possible.
0: Especially against Burnley, who's like probably like minus five because they have they don't. Burnley's goals. only minus eight. My, minus eight, eight. Yeah. They are. Yeah, it's just yeah. not. I, I just threw a number out there. I just knew it was low. If if Leeds are going to score enough goals to
1: offset that goal differential, they're winning enough games to, to points to yeah. advance. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Very fair,
0: so. fair. Very fair. Um, Another big game Mike just kind of mentioned Brentford Norwich host Brentford Norwich four Mm -hmm. points out of the last 15 so a little bit better than usual Brentford one of the last 15 Mm -hmm. haven't won a a Premier League game since January 2nd Uh, Norwich sit in dead last 26 games played 17 points Brentford 27 games played 24 points game in hand on them Norwich wins this they have a shot at staying up. Not saying it'll happen, but they have a shot, right? It's they win that, they're four points back, they win the next game in hand on on, Bright, uh, on Brentford.
2: It's a 1,000% a must win, honestly, for yes. both teams. Uh, it, there's
0: no other way to put it.
2: Like, if Norwich has any aspirations of being in the Premier League next year, they have to, have to, have to win this game. Brentford, maybe they can get slide by with the draw. They should win it, realistically. But for Norwich, it's do or die. This is the team you have to get points against,
0: so – Josh Sargent masterclass coming up or now?
2: Nah? I would like to say yes, but unfortunately that defense has a minus 40 goal differential for a reason. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, he could, he, he, he could score three goals in that game and put up a hat trick and they lose six to three.
0: So it's a valid point. Any takes on that one Vito?
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I know Mike's right. I, I mean, Forget about the fact that you need three points. We we just we were just talking about it. The most likely candidate to go down is Bradford. and if mm-hmm. you want that to happen, it means you got to take points off them if you want to stay. That it just that's what it comes down to. I mean, you you could accomplish this. You put yourself within three points with the game in hand of them going down because collecting points is great. That's obviously gonna this is gonna save you, but you need to send someone past you to make it make it count. Like it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You can win games now and then, but if everyone in front of you wins, it doesn't make a difference. Exactly. Right? Exactly what Newcastle just did over the past month. Exactly. Exactly. They, you got to take points off of the people that you need to go down. Yeah, it's great to win games. It's great for Burnley to win a game against Tottenham. Obviously, that's incredibly important. It's a big three points against a big team. But if you, I think, if you ask them, what would they rather take three points off Tottenham or three, take three points off of Watford guaranteed? To yeah. keep them farther at bay. You're water. Water.
2: Thousand percent. You, the I'm points against the
1: season relegation are more important, period. Yeah, thousand, thousand percent. Yeah. And if you don't win those games, like if they don't, Mike's right, if they don't win, they're done. That's it. Because then Leeds leads aren't going to go down and Everton's not going to go down. I don't think it's going to happen. Newcastle definitely aren't and Leicester aren't. Brentford is their only option. And if they don't pick all three, then I, I, I find it hard to see Norwich climbing high up enough to take them out.
0: I'm with you on those. On Sunday, we have the Manchester Derby City host Man U. City has 10 points out of the last 15. Man U, nine out of the last 15. Uh, obviously, Man City sitting in first, 27 games played, 66 points. Man U sitting in fourth place currently, right? Still? Yeah. Actually, I have it in front of me. Yeah. yeah, time being. Time being. 27 games played and 47 points. Um, <coughs> interesting game, in my opinion, just because preseason. If you had to pick a dark horse to kind of go through the gauntlet of the Premier League to possibly win it, Ronaldo's transfer, Veron's transfer, man, you were definitely on the brink of that discussion and yep. they it just went one. the exact opposite way.
1: Yep. Chelsea was at the time being pegged as a title challenger after Lukaku by the Champions League victory. Liverpool's Liverpool and City City. The only other team that could have be a dark horse was United. And boy, has that not come to fruition.
0: And we it, all it pretty much had been them, nothing had short of this top four. What's up? Yeah, we, we all, all pretty much picked them guaranteed. Like, we had our top I four. I picked them to finish like second. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, that doesn't sound great on
1: paper, but I don't think anyone would have predicted the struggles that they're going through right now. Not with Ronaldo in the team, Varane shoring up the back line, De Gea returning to form, Bruno, Bruno Fernandez, Rashford. I mean, it just has gone incredibly sideways. Ronaldo's in, like, one of the worst goal-scoring phases of his career.
2: Do you think that comes down to Ragnick, or do you think that comes down to, like, maybe no, it's egos, the players' Egos on the team?
1: It is 150% the players. They have a chance to score seven goals a game, and they put zero away. I mean, these are professional footballers being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. They have to score a goal. They're missing – Bruno Fernandes is missing open net. If they weren't producing chances, I would say, look at Ragnick, but there's no reason for them not to be winning the games that they're drawing or losing right now. They just can't score. And it's not because of opportunities. Wofford against for example. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, there was a, there was a situation in in, what Manchester United's last game where Bruno Fernandes was basically one-on-one with the keeper and all he had to do was square a ball across like seven yards away to Ronaldo, Ronaldo for an happen, and he shot and missed. It's like things like that, where it's like, what are you supposed to do? You can drill that into the guy a hundred times. Bruno Fernandes. He should be playing that ball across for a short fire goal tied zero, zero at the time. You know, um, I don't, I don't think the coach is helping, but I don't think he's made. I don't think it's his fault.
0: Very fair. Very fair. Last game of the week. Another big one. Monday nighter Tottenham hosting Everton Spurs six points out of the last 15 Everton three points out of the last 15 Spurs 25 games played 42 points Everton 24 games played 22 points one point ahead of the drop zone this late into the season level with Burnley on games but they do play twice this week could we see a big name like Everton actually we, we've been saying they're too talented but this late on I don't know man I, I I'm not calling them out of it I'm not gonna call them
2: out of it, but I don't think they'll end the season in the relegation zone. I still,
0: I still think there's too much talent on that team. One, um, what at what point in in games played then do the fire alarms start going off? I think
2: the fire alarms have been going off. To be honest, I mean, Rafa got fired. They brought in this uh, new coach, right? It's been going okay. The next couple of games they have to play too. If you look at it, I think it's who is it? Do you just guy? not
0: want to say Frankie Lampard's name. Yeah, Frankie Lampard. There you go. Super Frankie.
2: <laughs> but uh they have who is it? They have Spurs next. And then they have I'm trying to look here. They have Spurs, they have Wolves, Newcastle. Um, that Newcastle game will be pretty interesting. So will the Wolves game, but <clears throat> I mean I just can't fathom the fact of them going down. Like it it doesn't compute in my head. So
1: they could potentially okay. lose seven of their next nine right now, given their lineup. And that's the dangerous part. A lot of these other teams don't have the, the difficulty of the lineup that Everton's about to face. You're talking about Tottenham, Wolves, Newcastle, United, West Ham, mm-hmm. Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal. <sighs> toward the end of the season, that's the last, not, not those are in order, but there's a couple of games in between like some decent ones, like a Brentford match they need to take points on, a Crystal Palace match, and a and a Watford match. Every other one of those games, they probably could and will lose. Well, now that's, I see that they'll probably win. That's, won, but
2: that's, that's a brutal schedule. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. the alarm bells are – I mean, the fucking Hindenburg had alarm bells. You know what I'm saying? This is where I stand at the moment. Um, I think if they if they don't get a point, even a single point, by the time they play those games in hand, which is basically two games, if they don't take a point off those two, then it, it's looking like it's really, really possible. If they don't beat Watford, yes. How about that?
0: Hmm. I mean, right now, I have a, it's a six-team race for relegation. It's Brentford, Leeds, Everton, Burnley, Watford, Norwich. Um, Newcastle, I, I feel like they made all the right moves. They're playing so well. They're above it. Leicester. So many games in hand, I just don't see that being an issue. Yeah. Um, and then Villa above them, they're sitting at 30 already. I think 32 is probably the safe
2: zone, or 30 is probably the safe zone for these teams. I had to guess.
0: You get I'd to say 30, a little higher than that. I'd probably you you say get to thir- you get to
2: 32, 34, you're probably safe. So
1: lower than that's a lower number than we've seen in the past, that's for sure. It
2: was the quality of the teams, man.
1: I know. It, it, historically, it's always we talked about this one week. You guys laughed at me when I said it's like thirty points for safety. It, it was historically what about thirty eight points? You're safe.
0: I think it's like thirty eight, yeah, or give or take. It's, it's definitely
1: not thirty eight this year.
0: No, it won't be. I'd say thirty five guarantees, and then like you go thirty two to thirty five. It's questionable. Thirty, I don't, I don't think thirty gets it done.
1: I think we're gonna see really just one team fluctuate between that 17 and 18. I think Norwich and Watford are foregone conclusions. I think, I would it's, agree. I think it's over for them. I, granted, it's really difficult to say given it's only a three-point gap, but with game, game in hands and the way they're playing, I mean, it's not not crazy to think. Um, so it's really it's going to be who's that last team, the one the team that finishes in 18th.
2: I think it's going to be a battle between Brentford and Burnley, and I think Burnley
0: will come out on top. I think Brentford and Leeds. Right, no, no, man. I believe in Dice. I, I think I think Burnley uh, just I'm really these. starting
1: to believe in Burnley right now. I mean, <laughs> who wins and a draw from the last three? That's that's bananas.
0: They feel like, but I feel like I don't want to say they've been unlucky all year because I mean, with the amount of draws they have, but they've been playing their same exact style of just grinding it out, grinding it out, grinding it out. And I just think, don't think results were falling the right way for them like they have in the past years. And I'm feeling like just the law of averages is finally just taking over and like they're getting those points that they should have been getting earlier.
1: Yeah, I think always been Burnley's style. It's like it, every, every point matters at the end of the season, right? And a lot of these other teams don't play for draws. Watford has four, Norwich has five. Burnley has 12. 12, 12 draws. That is huge. If you're talking about a relegation battle where 38 points guarantees your survival, towards the end of this, by the time the season ends, Burnley will have 16 draws. They literally need to win five games, basically, to, to four games at that point to hit that, hit that point total. And it's a smart way of looking at it when you know, you're not going to compete for Europe anyway. And you're really going to go down. If you play an expansive style, given somebody's yeah, quality, you they have. don't have,
0: they don't have the funds to be playing for Europe. They, like, and they're exactly. well aware of that. Exactly.
1: Spend the time, build, build, build. And that's what they do. Um, on a side note, fun fact for you, in case you're thinking about Norwich being potential stare uppers, Norwich are on track for 20, just shy of 22 goals in the entirety of the season.
2: Is that the good? Record
1: for lowest <laughs> amount of goals in a season. It was set by was matched by Sheffield United last year at 20. So to talk about the insurmountable challenge that Norwich and their fan base is facing, I mean,
0: damn. So you're I saying did, they have a chance? So you say there's a chance. <laughs> saying there's a chance <laughs> I won't call Norwich out dead just yet I want to see the Brentford result they win it's possible anything other than three like Mike said I at that point you're see you later toast toasty what's the rest of the schedule though? do they have a lot of top teams left or who Norwich yeah Norwich even Watford too uh yeah Norwich is Norwich is uh, they're fucked <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Is that a nice way of saying it? They they have,
1: what, uh, six, five, 11 games left about, right? They, have, they played, yeah. what, 27? Yeah. 26? Uh, whatever. Regardless, the, the teams they have left to play out of those 11, 12 games, Chelsea, United, Newcastle, West Ham, Aston Villa. They Wolves, play Leeds awesome. Yeah, well, I was going to get to that. But in the yeah. relegation battle, they yeah. play... Leeds and Burnley and Brentford and Brighton. And that all comes by the middle middle of April. Those winnable games, because the games they're ending on, they should they probably will end up with six losses to end their season.
0: So I'm looking at Waffers right now. They go Arsenal and Wolves back to back. After that, Southampton, Everton, Liverpool. I mean, it will go there, but then Leeds, Brentford, Man City, Burnley. Wow. And they end the season with Crystal Palace, Leicester, and Chelsea. So talking, like, they play pretty much everybody at the bottom still. Yeah. Like, really they, Script writers are,
2: are really putting everybody together at the end of this season, huh? Yeah.
0: Keep it Scheduling like, was spot on this year. Yeah. Besides the whole COVID shit, but <laughs> no, that's another day. Another day, another talk. Another day, another talk.
1: I think we're I think we're actually in, in the midst of one of the greatest relegation battles we've seen in the last decade.
2: Uh, they're 16. It's, it's it's shaping up to be that. It really is.
1: And the title they, race is going to be reminiscent of what was it, 2018, where
0: City pipped, up, pipped Liverpool by a point, or 2019 was it? Or you could take the uh, the Cunegarro Man City first one Oof. over um, over Man. You want points or uh, goal differential?
1: Like the three places you want to see a um, like there's three places you want to see a battle right in the league. You want to see for the championship. You want to see for that last European spot. The Champions League spot, and you want to see the relegation battle, and we are in on fire on every single one of those in the Premier League this year. But that's that's what we said at the beginning. It was kind of the league's basically broken up into a a top seven table, and everyone's bottom basically.
0: Bottom (laughs) six, yeah. Island of like
1: ten teams in the middle.
0: No, yeah, like you said, top. There's top eight, right? I there's after Wolves, I don't think anyone can get into Europe, right? I don't think Brighton – Brighton's not strong enough. Southampton's not strong enough. So, they are talking about Wolves and up to West Ham's basically we're fighting for Conference League and Europa League. I think we have our top four relatively picked out as of right now with Arsenal sneaking into fourth. And then relegations, six teams, literally like any one of them could just screw up or injury or something and just, and just go down. Yeah. It's going to be great. I love it. Good race. So good. good race. <laughs> any other final thoughts, boys?
1: Yeah, give the Barclays Premier League more Champions League and Europa League spots.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, biased, but I like it. outside of the Premier
2: League, uh, the Italian title race, if people are not watching that, 100% watch that. They The game yesterday, too, Lazio versus Napoli. Napoli scored in the last minute. Uh, they're now up on goal differential, I believe, tied with, I think, AC Milan,
1: right? Uh um, correct, yes. Yep. That that Bad title that that title race is legit. You
2: should enter is two points out.
1: two points back with one game in hand. Yeah, it's
2: it's gonna shape up very nicely.
0: Ooh, who quietly who they, uh
2: crept back up in the top four after they were. Yeah, the Juventus
1: race. has quietly crept back into the title race at 50 points, seven
0: points behind the leaders, potentially eight, depending on inter's match. Mm-hmm. Maybe the still just- too big, but but even just getting back to the top four, I thought they were dead and out of the championship. Well,
1: all five of those losses pretty much came from the first two months.
0: Like, they, for the most part, haven't
1: really lost a game in the league, right, recently. They drew to Milan. I mean, they lost to enter the Supercopa. But outside of that, it's all been draws or wins. Yeah. It's a, it's I, a great, it's great, campaign. great
0: title race. Go Their on. last loss
1: was no- was the end of November at Alonso.
0: Understandable loss. They're a good team as well. Won below
1: Yeah. Yeah, hell of a title race.
0: Well, I'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, and hit the bell. Subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, the Premier League, and the United States men's national team. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito, signing off.